We're in a series in the next three weeks called We Are Family. And today's sermon is We All Need Somebody. You are not an island. God did not want you to be some super spiritual person that did it all on your own. It's not the way he wired human beings. John 1, 7 says this, but if we live in the light, as God is in the light, we can share fellowship with each other. Then the blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from every sin. That word fellowship in the Greek means this. It's, now it's, it's what every one of us need, partnering, interacting, and mutually benefiting from other believers. So you're supposed to be in fellowship. This is cool. But it is not truly the complete definition of fellowship because you have to be partnering, interacting, and mutually benefiting. Now you can see where small groups come in and why God says, hey, I'd like you to get closer to a few people that you might be blessed. Americans these days are more relationally isolated than ever. As a matter of fact, there's a new term that's been created called cocooning. And in the last decade, when technology got so great and you got the entertainment centers and even 911 and the economy, people started drawing in and staying in their their caves, their homes, because they felt safer. And we have less true relationship going on in America than ever. I read a stat that shocked me. 25% of us claim that we have zero close friends. 25% of Americans have zero close friends. Half of us claim no more than two, and that would include family members. And we're cocooning. Well, This creates problems for the believers when this starts to happen, when you look at the setting, because this large meeting is really cool. You can hear the word of God, and you know we want you here. We love it when you're here. It's valuable when you're here, but it's just not enough. God wants you to be closely connected with the group, uh, a small group of people where you can build close relationships. If you walk in here on any given Sunday morning and you walk around, you'll hear people and they're genuine about their happiness to see one another, but they say, how you doing? And what's the answer every time when somebody says, how you doing? Fine. Great. One of those two. Good. Yeah. So, but, but the truth is sometimes we're not really fine, good, or great, right? And if we just have a, a big atmosphere like this, where, you know, it just doesn't seem quite appropriate to say, well, this week really sucked. And, uh, you know, and they're going, really? Yeah, I need a donut. Um, it just, you just don't have time to talk it through here, right? And in, in small groups, uh, when you get to know one another, now our small groups are a little different. Check this out. We don't allow visitors in the small groups once you sign up. And the reason is, we want everybody in a small group, but the reason is, we want a sense of a vulnerability and closeness to develop because you wouldn't share your deepest secrets with someone you didn't know, most likely, right? And it's a little bit weird. So when you're in a home, you know, that's kind of a cool setting to feel more comfortable. But then you're with friends that you're with every week. Slowly but surely, this, this sense of authentic genuineness can happen and that's what small groups can do. They foster greater honesty, authenticity, and transparency, and we lift one another up. We care for one another. I want to pray and I'm going to try to bring it home um, so you can feel the need for you to be involved with believers in a closer way. Father, I invite your presence to come. 
Lord, some of us uh, have this sense of uh, a lack of fulfillment as believers. And your word just, if we, we could make a definition, Lord, of relationships uh, equaling fulfillment in your word. You've wired us to be closely connected to other believers. And when we are, we have a sense of friendship and fulfillment in life. People care for us. They know us. We care for them. We know them. We'll help them. They'll help us. And it's an awesome thing. So Lord, would you, uh, would you encourage our hearts with this word that comes from your word today? I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Three things small groups offer that can help you. The first is this. You'll be encouraged more. 1 Thessalonians 5.10 says, He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. And verse 11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. You know, most churches have trouble with transparency in general. Um, as a matter of fact, when I grew up, <clears throat> everybody, we used to have testimony times. I grew up in a, <clears throat> in a little bitty, excuse me, <clears throat> Pentecostal church where everybody was all excited. You had to put your tennis shoes on to get a good grip on the wall during the worship service. <clears throat> and... Um, there was a lot of God and a lot of flesh happening, but it was, it was happening for sure. But everybody had to be happy. I mean, we'd have what we call testimony time. And I could tell you that I thank God that I was saved and sanctified, that he loves me and I'm going to heaven. You know, that was half of them right there. So you just had these little rote things that you did. But, but um, there was never an atmosphere where people said, hey, I, you know, I'm really struggling. I mean, I mean, how do you in this setting and, and in church settings say, my wife and I are arguing all the time and we're hurting. And you're coming in and you're watching everybody else be happy. Well, here's the deal. Other people are hurting too. You just don't know it because everybody pretends that we're all happy. Listen, happiness, the root word for happiness is happens. It's not really what you want to pursue in your life because good things won't happen all the time. So you can't be happy all the time. Joy takes place in spite of circumstances. It's a gift from the Lord. We can have joy, but one of the things and the reasons we can have joy about is we have other believers walking with us to help us through. We all need that. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons you're not having a breakthrough is because you don't have people that you can go to, share your weaknesses, and ask them to pray for you and maybe even walk with you. It's the way God has created it to be. Instead of looking to people in the church to help and pray for them, people used to just run away from church because after all, everybody else is happy and they can't make it. They can't seem to do it like everybody else. They don't feel the freedom to say we love Jesus, but we're not doing very well. Our lives are unraveling. We need help. I like this quote from Bill Hybels in his book, Rediscovering the Church. He says, the Bible says true fellowship has the power to revolutionize lives. Masks come off. Conversations get deep. Hearts get vulnerable. Lives are shared. Accountability is invited and tenderness flows. People really do become like brothers and sisters. As a matter of fact, when I grew up, that's what they said in that church. Brother Russell, Sister Sylvia. And, it, it, you know, it was, it's kind of corny when you think back, but, but nowadays it seems kind of cool because I think they meant it. There were a lot of positive things. 
But in this atmosphere, Hybel says, they shoulder each other's burdens. And unfortunately, that's something that few people in that audience had experienced while growing up in church. And he's talking about his church there when he was young. So here's some givens. Just, just some thoughts for you. Large group settings are not condu- conducive to knowing what's really going on in your life. Just, it's just true. And a lot of people think, why, why isn't someone help, helping me? Here's the deal. We don't even know. Right? I mean, it's true the Spirit leads and He tries to break through in spots, but lots of times you're, you're not anywhere where we can know or telling us and people would want to help you. Another given. We can't encourage you if we don't know what's going on in your life. Right? One leads to the other. We want to encourage you, but we can't because we don't know what's going on. And see, it's easier to encourage you when you're present. Not only present in this setting, but present in a small group setting where every week we're praying for the needs of, of each other. People say, what about prayer meetings? Listen, prayer meetings are happening every week. If we had a prayer meeting here and we had great attendance with 200 people coming out to pray, which we usually have about 100 when we call one, which is great, I'm grateful for it. But uh, do you realize there's a prayer meeting every time small groups grow of 300 or more? Or every time they come together? Because they're praying for one another's needs and it's awesome. They spend a good amount of time in prayer in each of those groups. It's easier to encourage you when you're present. And then lastly, if you, if you don't get encouraged, now listen closely to this. If you don't get encouraged, you're gonna be tempted to move on or to quit. Sometimes move on from the faith, and just fall away. The Bible talks about a falling away. And when you're not closely connected to people, you're more vulnerable to getting discouraged and quitting. You're more vulnerable to the temptations of the enemy. Why? Because I, I had Brother Book, my mentor. See, I asked my brother in there because I love him. Um, and he passed away about a decade ago. Uh, he said to me, always remember that you're most vulnerable to the enemy's plans when you say these words. Nobody cares about me. Well, the truth is a lot of people would care about you if, if you just get in a setting where they could be involved in your life. There's a place in the scriptures that say, if, if you want to have friends, show yourself to be friendly. And, and uh, so you got to reach out. You got you to go for it. And we're not even asking for amazing transparency in those meetings. As a matter of fact, if you get in a group you don't like, we try to make it where you can get out of it, uh, you know, at the end of, uh, of, of that term and try to find another one that works for you. Uh, because we all deserve the, the privilege and opportunity to hang out with people that are like us or that we really enjoy or that we connect with in a significant way. What we're looking for is significant connection. And then in time, as you hang out with those people, you say, how do you know this? Because we've seen it. As you hang out with people, then things start to come out and prayer starts to happen and a level of fellowship that's partnering together, that's interacting, that's mutually benefiting, that's fellowship, that's what the Greek word means. It starts to happen in a significant way. Larry Crabb, a counselor, says a central task of community is to create a place that is safe enough for the walls to be torn down, safe enough for each of us to reveal our brokenness. And that's what we've done in life groups. It's not what it's all about, you know, a bunch of 
uh, whiners coming together and just saying life is terrible and let's all sit in this hole. It's, it's about lifting one another. It's about, hey, believers have problems. I had a, a, a trial yesterday. You have a trial today. The one beside has a trial tomorrow. But none of us escapes trials in life, right? We need each other. I read this story called The Miracle at Kew Creek. Nine miners were trapped for three days, 240 feet underground in a water-filled mine shaft. And they decided early on that they were either going to live or die as a group. The 55-degree Fahrenheit water threatened to kill them slowly by hypothermia. So according to one news report, when one would get cold, the other eight would huddle around that person and warm that person. And when another person got cold, the favor was returned. Everybody had strong moments, one miner, Harry Mayhew, told reporters. But anytime one guy got down, then the rest pulled together. And then that guy would get back up, and maybe someone else would feel a little weaker. But it was a team effort, he said. That's the only way it could have been. They faced incredibly hostile conditions together and they all came out alive together. Isn't that a great picture for small groups in the body of Christ? Hebrews 12, 13. So brothers and sisters, be careful that none of you has an evil, unbelieving heart that will turn you away from the living God. But encourage each other every day while it is today. I've circled these two words in my notes here. Help each other. How can we help each other if we don't know each other? If we don't know what's going on? So that none of you will become hardened by sins, by sin that has tricked you. Another version, sin, sin's deceitfulness. So if you have a phone and you text, I want you to pull it out for a moment, okay? Just talk about encouragement for him. And I'm gonna ask you during a service to text because some of you do it anyway. It makes me feel better when I give you an assignment, all right? I want you to text a person. Now that person can be in your small group or not. But just send out a word of encouragement to them because we all need to be encouraged and we need to help each other. Uh, you know there are times I remember being prompted to make a call to a brother and he was sitting on the beach saying, God, where are you? And the Lord just gave me an encouraging word and I called him and the word I gave was the exact question that he was asking God at that moment. I didn't know it. I just thought I was calling him. I had this thought, but it was a God thought. And I want you to just send out a text right now. Try to make it, you know, less than 30 lines, maybe two or three lines. Just a quick shout out to, to somebody saying, hey, thinking of you and praying for you. Now, I know many of you uh, might think of me to text, but I just want to say, hey, that'd be awesome. No. <laughs> send it out to one of your friends and, uh, and, and give them a, a word of encouragement. Maybe it's a small group friend and you say, hey, I can't wait till we're together again. That's encouraging too, okay? Second thought, since you can text and listen at the same time, that's this generation. If you can't, you're not texting at this moment. Second thought, you'll be cared for and comforted more. Now, I've kind of been on that, but I want to I zero in a little bit. Care for the body of Christ. Predominantly, we seem to think that the pastors are supposed to do that. But that's not really a biblical concept if you look close. We'll talk about that as we go here. But here's what it says. 2 Corinthians 1, 3. 
All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. Now, you may think, well, I don't need to be comforted. But have you ever thought that you could be a person who brings comfort? You might think, I don't need it so bad because my family's so strong and I enjoy church. But have you ever thought about the thought that you could bring comfort, that you could be God's love to somebody? Have you ever thought about the fact that you may feel like you don't need us, but we really need you? He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. I mentioned pastors. Pastors can't and aren't supposed to meet all the needs of the body. As a matter of fact, if we leave the majority of the care that people need in this fellowship to just the pastors, we'll probably never grow beyond this point. And we're going to end up with some really tired pastors. And uh, now I'm not saying pastors shouldn't do care. Because I think like all believers, they should have an involvement. And I think we should have our hearts on pastoral care uh, personally, but on care for the body and equipping others. Now here's, here's what I would like to debunk today. The holy man myth. Let me talk about that for a moment. Pastors. The holy man myth. Now, why am I vulnerable up here and tell you that I argue with my wife sometime and I argue with my children sometimes and life is not always... So great. Why do I do that? Because most, in many settings, pastors won't. Because I want to debunk the holy man myth. I don't want you think, I don't want you coming to church and thinking, that guy is, he's perfect. Because, and I know you don't. um, But but I I, I don't want to be on a pedestal. I'm a person just like you. It's true I'm called to this position as a servant leader. And I believe God's called me. But part of my calling is to reveal to you that you are part of a priesthood in a new covenant. You're a priest, too. And this idea that pastors uh, somehow have a more direct line to God, it'll cripple a church. And that they have greater gifts and anointing than everyone else, it's, it's trouble if you think that. It mistakenly equates leadership gifts with superior spirituality, and we don't want that. We have to debunk the holy man, the holy woman myth. And understand that every one of us are, are priests and ministers. Here it is. The new covenant, the new testament, 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. That's you. A holy nation. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, what are leaders supposed to do if they're not supposed to just be involved primarily in in pastoral care or the care of people? Here it is. You want to know what what Christian leaders, servant leaders are supposed to do? Ephesians 4.11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. So there's the gifts of leadership that he gives. Verse 12, their responsibility is what? To equip God's people to do his work. What? No, not to do it all, but to equip people to do it. Doug, you know one of the things I love that you're doing and you're doing it so well is 80 people are gathering tonight and the primary purpose is to equip them and invest in them. That's great leadership, buddy. That's what we're called to do. I think God likes it. 
to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So what I'm saying by this is that when we come together in small groups and we know each other and we hear that somebody's going through something, I mean in our small group there's, there was an, an adoption that was taking place and there was trouble and the little girl was being hurt and wounded and the family was experiencing some anguish and we prayed over and over and over again and victory finally came for that little girl and for that family. In another small group, uh, sometime back, there was a teenager that ran away. And that family said to me later, I was so blessed, within, within an hour, every small group member had texted to say, I'm praying. And within 24 hours, that young man was back home and things worked out. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Do you want to be in those situations without covering in prayer? Do you want to leave it to a pastor who can't get to everything and is shuffling papers saying, God, uh, I just want to sit in a congregation too for a while? Or do you want to be part of a vibrant New Testament church where every member is a minister, where you're going and people know you and when you have trouble, you can have prayer and prayer changes things. That is care for the body of Christ, caring for one another. This, this story is unbelievable, but it's, but it's, I read it as true and I want to read it to you. Happened in the state of Maryland. The Atlantic Ocean converts into many rivers and streams in that state. And in one autumn season on the rivers and lakes everywhere, there are geese and, and swans everywhere. And once or twice a year, it snows in that region and the narrowest point of this river called Tread Avon will freeze over. And that's where this story takes place. Maryland, the river Tread Avon, and the river is frozen. And one woman named Teresa who lived in this area woke up in the morning to have breakfast near the big window where she had a perfect view of the river. All of a sudden, she saw something incredible on the other side of the river where it was frozen. A Canadian goose with its wings tightly shut sitting there very still and she noticed its feet were frozen to the ice. It's a strange sight. A goose with his feet frozen to the ice. And then she saw up in the sky a line of beautiful swans flying graciously and with complete freedom. And while she was observing, the leader of those swans made a right turn in midair. And instead of continuing in a straight line, the swans formed a circle and they slowly started to descend. And they landed on the ice where the goose was. They surrounded the goose in that frozen ice and then the swans did an incredible thing. They stretched out their long necks and started to move their beaks up and down and peck at the ice again and again. Much like a fisherman picks at the ice to make a small hole in that region in order to fish and Teresa stood up in awe with one hand covering her mouth. They were rescuing that goose. For quite a while this kept up and Teresa couldn't believe her eyes and after a while the goose was not trapped by that frozen river any longer but now had a small circle chipped away around its webbed feet and it began to move just a little bit. The swans after they had completed their task rose again in a circle to ascend this time and they kind of hung out uh, and watched as if, as if they wanted to see the results of their labor high in the sky. The goose lifted its head. It was free standing there on the ice but it was still unable to fly and she couldn't quite figure it out. 
that goose's wings were frozen as well, not just feet that were trapped. And unbelievably, four of the swans that ascended descended again. They had previously helped this goose, but they came down again and landed around the goose. This time, with their powerful beaks, they began to scrape the goose's wings from top to bottom. Gradually, the goose extended its wings and folded them, repeating this movement. Finally, when the goose could extend its wings as far as they could go, the four swans flew back up to the rest of the swans that were still circling above. Teresa was overcome with emotion and even tears in her eyes as she saw the goose move. Finally, with incredible speed, it took off. And it seemed, she said, with joy that it ascended and it flew up to meet the swans in the sky. It was an incredible thing that she had just witnessed. You can translate, right? You get it. I mean, the truth is, I don't want to be overly dramatic and I don't really like shock stuff and sermons, but the truth is, there's a lot on the line for people spiritually when they're hurting. I mean, it could mean spiritual death if they don't get the care they need. And we're the caregivers, not just pastors. We're the caregivers. We're the ones that love and come alongside and warm people's hearts and help them get to the place where they're flying again. We need each other. Hey, I'm here to tell you that marriage can be great for a season and something can happen that's dramatic and all of a sudden there's a struggle. I'm here to tell you that singles can be doing well for a season and then again someone rejects them. Maybe it's even in a small way but they fall right back in thinking, man, is this going to happen every time? And we need each other. We can comfort each other with the comfort that we've received. Like David said, I've slain the bear, I've slain the lion and the giant's going down. Those circumstances of life, we see God show up again and again, and sometimes when we can't have the strength to believe, I I love that picture in the Bible when the man was crippled, crippled, and um, his friends pecked through the roof and dropped him down, and Jesus brought healing to him. And do you know what the story says? The story didn't say the man was healed because of his faith. Do you remember why he was healed? Because of the faith of his friends. We just just need the faith of our friends from time to time. God will honor faith even when it comes from our friends. Sometimes we don't have faith for this moment, this thing, but the faith of our friends will lift us and we can soar again. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. I'm just, I'm just here to encourage you to get in a small group so we can help you and you can help us. Third thought here. If you get in a small group, you'll feel close to and loved by other believers. Relationships equal fulfillment. Family relationships, right? But God doesn't just, doesn't just call us to family relationships. He calls us to close relationships with other believers. We need each other. And you'll feel close to people and loved by others. I think one of the the, the greatest moments for a believer is when you realize people know you have weaknesses and they still love you. When you realize that they understand the grace of God because it's been given to their lives and then you hear their story 
it, it never ceases to amaze me how people come in here and think that all of us have never sinned and we've all been perfect. Raise your hand if you've been perfect. Some of you rascals wanted to do it just for fun, but thanks for not. <laughs> Raise your hand if your mother thinks you're perfect. Okay. She knows better. I was, I was telling Candace the other day how my mom made me go back to the store and pay for the Snickers I stole. So she knows I'm not perfect. We need each other. First Peter 1.22, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Sincere. If I'm not mistaken, I don't have this in my notes, but that Greek word for sincere is sincera. And um, the picture is, is, is uh, that something would be pure. And in those days, uh, there could be a, a carving and, and it could have a crack in it, but they'd fill it with wax and color it. And so you'd buy it and when the heat came, uh, it, the wax would melt and you'd realize you paid a high price for a flawed product. And so it was, say, it was saying, so, so the people who sold it weren't really sincere. They tricked you, right? Or uh, they didn't care about you. That actually happened to me in Hong Kong uh, where I bought, you know, this little carving of a fisherman and somebody said, yeah, you got to wa- watch it. They'll fill it with wax. And, and we poked around and sure enough, there were two or three cracks that had been filled with wax. And when the heat came in that room down the line, it, you just, the cracks were exposed. And the idea is don't just act like you really love each other and deceive one another by acting like it's a deep love, but do it sincerely. Take the time. And it goes on to say love each other deeply with all your heart. Wow, that's, that's pretty strong. Deeply with all of your heart. You say, I'm not comfortable with this. Okay. Uh, you know, Pastor Alex still has trouble hugging people. Uh, I, I remember he doesn't want anybody touching his head. Now, don't touch his head, okay? But I was trying to help him at one meeting once, and I, I said, everybody, let's pray for Alex. And we all came in, like 20 of us, and we put our hands on his head. And I think he was delivered from that whole, uh, whole deal. Maybe not, maybe not. But hey, some of us aren't uh, comfortable, you know, get, getting close. But here's the deal. Stop it. You need it. You need to be close to people. You can't escape this stuff. You're not an island. You're not a person who can do this all by yourself. And you won't really know the value of it until you get into it and you think, wow, this is way better than the other way. And here's the deal. You can can find people that you enjoy being with. That's cool. We want that. And so if that starts to happen, you'll really be excited about going to your life group or your small group. A man was not fellowshipping in a regular way with other believers in his church. And one of his friends called him and asked where he was. Why aren't you at the small group? But he kept putting his friend off. And finally, one cold winter day, that friend stopped by his house. And the man was sitting in front of a fireplace. He welcomed his friend to come in and sit down. And, and he tried to engage in conversation, but the friend didn't say much. He did this. He just walked over to the fireplace, pulled one of the logs away from the flame, and then he went and sat down. And they both stared at the one log that was pulled away from the rest of the fire. 
And during the course of their conversation, it smoldered, the fire went out, And finally the man said, okay, I'll get it. I get it, I'll be at small group next week. (laughs) Hebrews 10.25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. That goes for small groups too. They met house to house and in the temple courts. You know that's in the New Testament, it's a principle. Not only church, but they met house to house and then they met in the temple courts for a big meeting where the apostles were teaching. And we need both. We need to be encouraged by the preaching and the teaching. See, people are already getting responses back from their friends with their phones. (laughs) That's so cool. You know the rule. Your phone goes off in service, you buy your row pizza, okay? That's just the... (laughs) It's just the deal. First Thess- Thessalonians 3.12. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. Now, I- I'm just gonna close with this, um, with this thought. Someone said, close? Really? I don't believe you. No, I am, really. I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to guilt you into anything. I don't have any interest in pushing you, but I hope there's a pull today where you realize, wow, could it really be that good? Now listen, you may have to work at it. You may have to drop into a group or two for uh, a season to find the right place. I love what Doug said. If you find two or three couples you already enjoy and you jump into these new groups, this is an opportunity. You can be together with your friends right now. Just say, hey, let's do it. But if you do, I, I firmly believe this. I am 100% confident you will do better in your spiritual life and in life as a whole if you are closely connected to other believers.